would you fuck me? I'd fuck. I'd fuck me hard. I'd fuck so hard. Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. This is Travis, horror host Travis Ybarra. I always fuck that up. <laughs> Every week I fuck that up. We're on like, what, 30 episodes now? Uh, joining me today is producer Kate, as Hello. always. Yes. And uh, Becky fucking Hinton. <laughs> and we do call her that. Yeah. Yeah, that's her official name on her I birth been certificate. A, I would have been offended if that's not how you introduced <laughs> me. <laughs> so you were just talking about Blockbuster, how yeah. you worked at Blockbuster. Is I that kind of where, like, I wanted to intro you and kind of get to where we know you, but that intrigues me quite a bit. Yeah. So how did you get that job? Like, uh, So I, I was in college and I needed a job and I didn't want to work with food. That seemed like oh, a yeah. terrible idea. Uh, so there was a Blockbuster in the town, Angola, Indiana, where I went to... Uh, college mm-hmm. and I applied and that's where I worked mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't say I like I got it because I was a movie buff uh-huh. like I may have even said like made of made in Manhattan was my favorite movie or something at the time <laughs> <laughs> with Jennifer Lopez like I'm not a movie buff what was the hottest movie like uh, was there any like movies that were painting the ass to stock oh gosh I don't remember that <laughs> I mean I was like 20 I'm 30 17 mm-hmm. years ago Jesus yeah God. for sure so um I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember. I know it was really cool, though, because we'd have all the new releases like a week before they came out. So employees mm-hmm. would be able to uh, like take those home for that week. So like my boyfriend thought I was really cool because I'd always like bring over movies and get mm-hmm. stoned and, <laughs> and watch all the new releases. So I no. watched them all. But I can't remember like any movie that sticks out at the time um, that I was really like into. Isn't that nuts that that idea of a video store is like totally foreign to kids nowadays. Yeah. Like, like, like I did have to do the rewinding and all that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when they came in. Like be we, kind, I rewind. Kid, yeah, be kind. Like when they dropped them in the drop box, you know, put them in there, rewind yeah, them. Kids you know? don't even know why it's no. called rewind. <laughs> no. No, think about no. like when Julia and uh, Phoebe grow up. Yeah. Like they're going to be like, what the fuck's a video store? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like streaming. It's like gone are the day. That's like horror is kind of like that where like, a lot of horror people have nostalgia of like going to the video store and just grabbing. You said like you mentioned stoned, getting stoned, going to the video store and just grabbing the the most wackiest looking shit ever. Yeah, like, as far as the cover goes, like and that's kind of gone. Like right, the stream. for sure, for sure. Well, I know I was talking to you and and Josh one day about like he said he had like bought some movies. And I was like I didn't even know people still did that because like everything streamed. You know, like mm-hmm. everyone goes on Amazon or Netflix, whatever. Um, I was like, oh, people still buy movies? Like, I didn't really know people <laughs> well, did honestly, that anymore. Horror people are probably the biggest buyers of like, oh, yeah. Blu-rays. And... Yeah, horror people and hipsters Y'all like with to the uh, physical media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. And I'm so far <laughs> removed from both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I you had know what no idea. what pisses me off about streaming, though, is like, 
you'll sit and like look for something for fucking three hours. Yeah. Whereas growing up, like like I've told this story before with me and Hodge, but we were able to get one movie in one game. And it's like we played the fuck out of that game yeah. <laughs> or the movie because that was the only one we got. So it's like, oh, we're watching it. Like, you know, if it's bad, it's fucking bad. We're stuck yeah. with it. <laughs> right, right. We're rewatching it. Well, I joke that I'm like, I'm not exactly a movie connoisseur. Like, I think everything's just fine. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that was a good movie. Yep, that was good. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so many, many a story with uh, Becky fucking Hinton. And I imagine you're going to be a repeat guest on here. Oh, I hope yeah. so. For sure. I think so. Sure. I had so much fun with this one that, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make you have me back. Yeah. No, for sure. For anyone who doesn't know how Becky knows us, so mm-hmm. Becky came into our family. She is basically, like, my adoptive sister. We just, like, we've acquired her. Yeah, I inserted myself <laughs> in your family. <laughs> well, you could argue we really like you. We brought you, we, we brought you in. But um, I met Becky through my husband, Brian. He was friends with Becky and, and her husband, Danny and all of them up there in the region. Yeah. Um, Brian then, from the pod. Yeah. Brian from the pod. He's on our first episode. Psycho. But anyway, um, and ever since we met you, you just, we sucked you in. And yeah. You moved to Indy. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I've moved here. <laughs> I'm like you're really not getting rid of me now. All right. So the silence of the lambs with Becky fucking Hinton, uh, 1991 directed by Jonathan Dimme. Uh, or Jonathan Dim, yeah. Written by uh, Tad Kelly, uh, based on the Thomas Harris novel from 1988. Uh, the synopsis, a young FBI cadet, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster is amazing in this. Her name is Clarice Starling. Clarice Starling. Must receive the help of an, uh, of an incarcerated and manipulative cannibal killer, played by Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal the Cannibal, Hannibal to help Lecter. catch another serial killer. A madman who skins his victims, Buffalo Bill, played by Ted Levine. Uh, this won five Oscars. It won, let's see, Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role for Anthony Hopkins, Best Actress in a Leading Role for Jodie Ho- uh, Jody Foster. Sorry, can't read right now. Best Director for Jonathan Demme, uh, Best Writing Screenplay based on material previously produced or published by Ted Talley. And um, it was nominated for Best Sound and Best Film Editing. So so it swept. Yeah. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it swept. Not surprised. <laughs> it's amazing. And it transcends. Like, it got all those awards back then, but, like, it's still good. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, dude. So just some fast facts about this movie. Like, history behind the film. Lecter first appeared in 1981's Red Dragon, which was a novel followed up by 1988's Silence of the Lambs. Originally, Gene Hackman actually owned 50% of the rights and was set to direct and star. I just see my mic move closer to my face. <laughs> and was set to direct and star as Lecter, which I thought could be interesting. Gene Hackman has a little bit more uh, than the next guy that I'm about to mention. Eventually, he passed on it because his daughter read it and found it, like the violence in the in the novel, like um, kind of like too much for her. So Gene Hackman was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be involved. He sold his sh- share of, a, of the rights, which led to Deme becoming involved. Original actors wanted for Hannibal Lecter or potential other actors were Sean Connery, which I think would have been fucking weird. Ugh, boo. I think <laughs> physicality-wise, he could have got it, but I don't know about like... The nuance that Anthony Hopkins brings to the right. role. No way. Uh, Gene Hackman, which I think could have been interesting, and uh, Robert De Niro. Which Robert De Niro is awesome, but yeah, I can't, I can't I imagine anybody else. Um, Gene Hackman probably could have done a good job. I think, yeah, Gene Hackman would have been 
pretty cool. Uh, Jodie Foster was the second choice at best to play Clarice, which I thought was kind of interesting. What? Other potential choices for Clarice were Michelle Pfeiffer and Meg Ryan. Which, I'm, considering the time, I'm not really surprised, right? I can't hate on Michelle Pfeiffer. It's like no, Michelle she's Pfeiffer's good. Awesome. She would have done that well, too. Um, from an interview on BFI in 2017... Jodie Fo- I was about to call her Clarice. <laughs> Jodie Foster said that she this film getting this film was personal to her. She wanted to get it to not to portray women as like not always having to be the victims, which she saw in a lot of horror movies at the time. And she wanted to like set the standard that this woman is trying to save other women and like she's seeing herself in the victim. And, you know, saving the day, ultimately. She's, she's, a, she's a hero, yeah. Right, which, and then uh, another note, which I was like, I, I didn't find anything on this, but she had to have influenced Scully from X-Files. Because Scully came two years later, which I thought was really cool, because it was like professional badass women, like, mm-hmm. in the early 90s. Who aren't afraid to speak up when someone's being sexist to their face. Like The best. Yeah, right. Love her. Right, and we'll get to the, we'll get to that in the themes for sure. <laughs> um, the FBI was very involved in this um, and helped actors Hopkins, Foster, and Levine with information on actual cases similar to what was seen in the film. So one of the reasons they helped out so much in this and a lot of the scenes were shot at Quantico, they were interested in recruiting female agents at the time and they felt like uh, Clarice was like an awesome example and role model for women to join the FBI. I think they also made her very relatable. Like they didn't, they didn't make her seem like out of reach or out of touch. Like it seemed realistic. So yeah. um, And good on them. Exactly. And she, and you, you learn this pretty early on. Like she's not a character who, you know, she's in the FBI because she's from this family that had a, put a silver spoon in her mouth and she's gone to all the best colleges and she's been recruited. Like she's from West Virginia, just a poor girl orphaned and worked her ass and off worked really really mm-hmm. hard which i think is nice for sure the story was based on ted bundy's relationship with criminology professor and profiler robert keppel which i don't know if you guys knew that or not mm-hmm. you know the show mind hunter is mm-hmm. basically about robert keppel and ted bundy actually helped keppel investigate the green river killer in the 80s washington area so ted bundy is like you know white male 30 to 40s he'll revisit the scene like ted bundy was like like uh, your Hannibal Lecter type. Like he was very, very smart and stuff. There's references to Ted Bundy and how Buffalo Bill kidnaps women in this movie too. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, classic. There's a lot of references to serial killers. I'll let you go. I bet you have I bet more. you just said classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Bundy, man. Yeah. Yeah, classic. Put on, like, put on a cast and act helpless like you. And hop in my van. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jodie Foster spent a lot of time with the FBI agent Mary Ann Krause prior to filming and uh, Krause gave Foster the idea of the scene when Clarice cries in her car after meeting Hannibal Lecter. Like um, a lot of people pointed out that scene, like a lot of, and when I say people like critics, stuff like that, because it humanized and made Clarice like, like you said, incredibly relatable. Mm -hmm. It's like, she just met like a psycho encountered Migs, like all yeah. the shit's Come just like on her lot. face, yeah. like right? Like all the shit's just like a ton, and man. that's her first time in the field, literally. Right? She's a student, you know. That's For that sure. would be an intense first. Oh job. my god! Uh, Buffalo Bill was actually inspired by Ed Gein, Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. and Gary Heidegg, yep. which you brought up Ted Bundy with the cast. That's actually like, like Kate said, Ted Bundy actually used that like 
to target and attack yeah. women. Yeah. You would act like this innocent guy. Who's yeah. Just, just needs a little help. I just need a little help in my car. I need a help with this couch. Yeah. yeah. That's very Ted Bundy. And do you know who Ed Gein is? I don't. I'll tell her. So Ed Gein was a grave robber. He killed two people up in Wisconsin. I think this was like the 1930s or 40s. But he mm-hmm. influenced Norman Bates, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Buffalo Bill. Like, because he used to, like, grave rob and then, like, make parts and shit. He would skin the victims and make, like, lamps and all kinds of things oh, that's out of, creepy. like, furniture, basically, he would make out of the skin of these mm-hmm. victims. That's creepy. Um, he had a horrible, horrible abusive past. Yeah. And so a lot of his relationship, like, with his mother and stuff uh, was directly copied for Norman Bates. Oh, yeah. I yeah. haven't seen the movie, but I listened to your podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I do need to watch. All right, so the last thing I have is, is Silence of the Lambs a horror film? What do you each of you have to say? Yes. Okay, so Uh here's me. I don't know much about horror, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a lot of gore in it. Like, And maybe it's because of when it was filmed, like in 91. I don't know if it was, Mm -hmm. like, for example, when he... um, when he gets out of that big cell with those two guards, like they don't actually mm-hmm. show him eating that guy's face, mm-hmm. you know? So they kind of like pan away from it, but it was super scary, creepy, but I don't know what level it has to, to be horror. For sure. So just some stuff I have written down. People have different opinions. I actually, and I don't do this a lot, but I actually listened to the unspooled podcast mm-hmm. and I got I like kind of triggered. On the episode when they covered, uh, Katie's a big unspooled fan. I am, but they are—they don't appreciate horror. I think like they should. No. Although they did do an episode. To be fair to them, they did an episode with horror buffs, like from Fangoria and some other people. Um, it was mm-hmm. like a, a panel where they, I think, were convinced. And I think it, they did that after Silence of the Lamp. They did their Silence for of sure. Lamp. And it, it was actually a pretty good episode. Like mm-hmm. there, there was some pretty cool stuff, but. One of the it was that Amy Washington is mm-hmm. the co-host. She described the movie as a B a B what is it a B movie uh, noir instead of a horror movie. That's a trash like, description of this. I think it's it's a true crime thriller and horror movie. Like it's all right. those things. I don't think you box it in yeah. to any one genre. Just like most of the movies that mm-hmm. end up being like it's not horror. gory. You know, like the, it's there's mm-hmm. parts that are definitely creepy yeah. and like gross and there's. There's some of it there, but it do, it's not like a big movie of that, but it's very much a thriller, very suspense. Mm-hmm. And I you think know? that's one of the cool things that um, Jonathan Demme does is like he it's the implied horror. Yeah. It's not the... the he didn't have to. Right. He didn't have to do... Mm-hmm. Like, it's for like, me to be glued to the TV, freaking out, I didn't need to see it. And the power of Lecter, it's like when Miggs throws the cum on her, and mm-hmm. then uh, they're like, yeah, Lecter was heard whispering to him, and then he killed himself, or he swallowed his own tongue. Yeah, he swallowed his tongue. Like, yeah, I, this, to me, if I feel any sense of horror, terror, squeamishness, anything like that, I could, I could, you can put it in a horror genre to me. Mm-hmm. You lump it in whatever you need to do. Like, mm-hmm. People would say we did Jacob's Letter, and they would say that that's not a horror movie, but I disagree about that. Too. For sure. And the last thing I have is like that the psychological thriller label was cre- mainly created by critics and like uh, people that kind of hate on horror movies and think that yeah, they're kind of like lowbrow and stuff. Yeah, God forbid. Yeah, it is. Like, to like a horror movie. <laughs> no, for sure. Like The Sixth Sense is labeled as like a supernatural thriller. It's like, what the fuck's a supernatural thriller, but it's a horror it's movie. It's a horror yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I said, like, I There's ended it with a question. 
I said, if this isn't a horror film, then what is Jaws? And what about Psycho? Because mm-hmm. arguably Jaws, you could consider a thriller. It's just about a fucking shark. Attacking yeah. Shark. yeah. Murderous shark thriller. Right. No, it's a horror movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's kind of all I have on it. Uh, I'll bring up stuff throughout the pod, but I, I really want to get Becky's like uh, first reaction. Oh, I'm so ready. Let's go. For I sure. like loved this movie. It was awesome. I mean, from the get go when um, he's like, I have an interesting errand for you. Like he doesn't call it like first he calls it a job and he's like, well, it's an interesting errand. You're like, <laughs> what is this girl getting into? So that was really cool. Um, but you can just tell, I mean, from the opening that she's driven, she's in a man's world, like that whole first, what, five minutes when she's like walking through like the camp or whatever to um, go see Crawford. It's just like men everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and she looks so little. She gets on this elevator with all these tall dudes mm-hmm. and she's just like, she's there, but she's going for it. It's which I really respect. I love that about her. I think you're touching <laughs> on like a big theme um, and something that I knew Katie would like if she hadn't noticed it before, which I'm sure she has, but like I really, really noticed like the female in a male dominated uh, yes. workplace, all this yeah. other stuff, the idea of power. Like you just said, uh, Clarice mm-hmm. is like small and it's like she's going against like all these psychos and fucking weird ass men. Right. And then the idea to get deeper in a Buffalo Bill, the idea of using both sexes power and he's creating a new body for himself using female skin right which i think is a weird like idea yeah there's a lot of gender dynamics in this um in this movie and i think uh, should we just get into themes do you want mine for sure my initial reaction i will get that over with is i also love this movie i've seen it a dozen times probably but to me this one never gets old like i can turn it on i know exactly what's going to happen i don't care because it's just so well done we can talk about the acting and and everything later on but I don't really have any negative things to say about this mm. movie. So I'll say like, since we're on the kind of the topic of themes is like transformation is a huge theme in this mm-hmm. film. Right. So I, I kind of have some notes. Like that. See, Katie acts like she's not good at this. And like, <laughs> so to, I, I was, all these things to say, and I feel like I've like frozen oh, when you good. asked no. me to, <laughs> you'll, you'll warm up. You'll okay. warm up. But, so, a, so a big thing, a theme in this is uh, transformation, right. And like freedom, getting your wings, if you will, mm-hmm. not to be like too cliche about, know obviously there's the moth and the um and everything but i think that's it's kind of poignant so bill buffalo bill he's transforming into a woman that is what he's yeah he's, his transformation is that um he's got this the scene where he tucks it like yeah exactly <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> we'll dude. talk about that, that awesome. <laughs> um but hannibal lecter he's caged and he gets his wings he gets his freedom yeah he gets his power back you know yeah. and then starling clary starling is like the biggest transformation, right? She's going from a student to an agent by the end of the movie. She is transformed into this agent with experience and like this huge honor of being like, she just, she bagged one of the biggest, most relevant serial killers at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for someone who's not even an agent yet to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think transformation is like one of the big things. And um, I don't know. Did you guys look up what, the symbolism behind starling a starling is a bird um, well i noticed bird. that when he's like fly 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 fly, 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 fly. fly. Yeah. <laughs> um but i did a little research on the starling thing so like i've always known her name and everything but, and i mm-hmm. knew it was like the bird thing and i just assumed it was like 
bird getting their wings freedom it's all very in line with the you know transformation with the moth um, and it's chrysalis it's very symbolic but um i guess starlings are meant to symbolize again transformation freedom and power which is like just in line with this whole um, underlying theme of the movie which i think is uh, worth noting for anybody who's looking for a, a movie like that it has a happy ending as like horrifying as it is but i mean that's kind of i don't want to jump to the ending and say a happy ending but like <laughs> at the end when you're like rooting for him like yeah go get him <laughs> let's go have an old friend for dinner <laughs> exactly because yeah the old friend is a fucking douchebag oh, yeah, yeah yeah please go have an old friend for dinner like, uh, but yeah not to, to jump ahead too much but just to get the the to get the themes out of the way because the themes are really important and integral to the film but some of the most fun things to talk about in the film are mm-hmm. not the themes because it's it's very easy to i think pick up on them mm-hmm. but travis what uh when did you first see this movie you tend um, to see stuff when you're really young like if i saw this young i would have been like messed up i think i saw this when i was like 10 or 11 of course crazy. you did <laughs> um so like just kind of like a crazy story have you ever met uh, uh our aunt sheila rob's aunt sheila no so she saw this movie like when it came out like multiple times in theaters and then had to actually go to therapy like this movie fucked her up that bad really (laughs) so we were always like being told that story growing up and stuff so you're like i definitely want to see that no for sure (laughs) she just developed like i could see that though because it's like we said in the beginning it's like a lot of these people are based on like real events and stuff buffalo bill like someone like buffalo bill has fucking like existed his that's voice, weird. his voice, Buffalo yeah. Bill's Wing. voice will He's, be in my nightmares. Was he yeah. a great big fat person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love. I like. He did such a good job with this. So you find out Buffalo Bill's real name in the movie is like Jamie Gum, mm-hmm. or like something like or that. Jame and I thought Gum, that Jamie Gum or something like that. And I thought it was like Ed Gein. I don't know. I got a vibe oh, yeah. like that. I actually got a question about Buffalo Bill. So it being 2020, a lot of discussion about this movie is, is Buffalo Bill, is his character like offensive? Is, isn't every serial killer offensive? Well, but no, <laughs> I think I know what you're saying. Like, like is he transgender? Do you feel like they're trying to lump transgender people as like, mm-hmm. like being weird and I think having a mental disorder. Right. Right. Weird. Like, mm-hmm. so I think that that can, I don't think now anyone would do that mm-hmm. in 2020. I don't think that would be done the way it was in 1991 mm-hmm. because I think that society would probably flip their lid a little bit. Well, um, what about the scene where, sorry to interrupt. Hang on. So okay. he, it, there's the scene where Crawford is talking and Crawford <laughs> says to Clarice, he's explaining James gum or Buffalo. We'll just call him Buffalo bill. Um, his background. And he's like, we, we found out that he actually did see like the premiere um, sex reassignment surgeons and part of that process is t- seeing a psychologist and he was rejected so like they d- they kind of allude to the fact that they're like this is a legitimate surgery that people get but he just wasn't in the right see but i don't remember space. that part of the movie oh, okay. <laughs> so like what i remember is him you know uh-huh. putting on makeup and tucking and you know uh-huh. being very flamboyant uh-huh. um I don't even remember that part where they talked about his gender reassignment. Yeah, so, so I don't, maybe it was so too maybe, brief. Maybe they need that. to be a little more, mm-hmm. you know. I just think now people are, I don't want to say more sensitive, but we're more conscious of um, possibly giving, um, you know, a group of people 
a bad name. Right. And they didn't even have the right words back then. No, yeah, that like, was kind of funny. Yeah, to like, like a, what, a, well, a transsexual think, or something? Yeah. I think that was part of the, uh, like the controversy. And th- maybe this is where we could look up like a review for later on is like from a uh, LGBTQ like uh, point of view back then. But I think the concern back then, like Becky touched on, was like it was 1991 and there's not a lot of gay characters right. in um, film in general, really. Mm-hmm. And Buffalo... That aren't made into a joke. Right. Right. And Buffalo Bill being... Like, it's hinted at that uh, he dated Hannibal Lecter's patient. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. how Hannibal Lecter yes. came across him. So it's hinted that he's gay and he's a psycho killer. Yeah. So people were like... And back then, um, there was a lot of, I mean, I was pretty young still, maybe like what, eight or 10 when this came out or something. But, um, you know, that was like right after like the whole Ryan White AIDS and all of that. So it was a very hot topic back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't know how, I, I just don't know how this would have been received with that character now versus then, like I said. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. It would be very interesting to see how people would react. So my opinion on it, like my take on it, is like and Ted Levine's been interviewed before and he said that he never took him as a gayer character like he took him as more of a homophobe and that he was using like the women's body and stuff as like a power like he wanted power of both sexes to transform like he said and that's why like all the symbolism of and he is psychotic of keeping the woman in the well while he's like putting on other women's skin and dancing around, like you said, very flamboyantly. Yeah. Um, putting on makeup, like the wearing, scalp. Yeah, he has like the a scal- scalp for mm-hmm. sure. But it's like a <laughs> it's like cringing. a power move. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is like there's a lot of sexism in this film, right? That's a that's mm-hmm. a whole theme in itself. Yeah. And what he's doing is like ripping women's power from them. You're right. Absolutely. And putting See, it on. And himself. that's that's more that's a more eloquent way of what I just scrambled on about. <laughs> Katie always has eloquent words. For sure. That's, that's kind of like my that's my stance on it is that uh-huh. he's ripping women's power away. Yeah. Like as serial killers, you know, oftentimes do. Right. And I think it's you're going to be hard pressed to find a maybe other than Dexter, I guess a serial killer that's not problematic in some way in oh for sure today's world you know for sure (laughs) and uh, i'll be i'll be clear like it doesn't bother me at all like i'm i know i'm not like the 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 group that's affected kind of katie's first response was like yeah he's a serial killer though like right he's he's got a woman in a well also right yeah (laughs) and we're arguing about like his ethics and shit yeah well i think the argue i I get where you were going like this is more of like a how are we representing Mm-hmm. Transgender right. Well, it's almost like potentially transgender people. What if maybe they had also had one of the FBI agents be gay? Like, then mm-hmm. it could kind of balance that. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Something like that. But, or she could have been gay. Clarice mm-hmm. could have been gay. She could have been a lesbian. Maybe she is. <laughs> so, the, this is like, a, this is kind of related, but this is an article by Jack Barsford uh, 25 Strange Details Behind Silence of the Lambs. But it's Buffalo Bill's infamous dance was originally very, very different. Ted Levine improvised almost all the moves witnessed in Buffalo Bill's infamous dance scene, including the particular moment of tucking. Originally, Jonathan Dimme had intended Levine's disturbing dance to be choreographed to the sound of Bob Seger's more up-tempo track, Her Strut. However, Levine found the synth-heavy, dreamlike Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus was a better fit for the unsettling sequence. It was when, perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was perfect. Oh, yeah. When this Goodbye, was a great soundtrack, too. Dude, he has good movie. taste in music. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> 
when Goodbye Horses came up, it served my purposes better, Levine said to Rolling Stone. It made a little gentler and stranger. It wasn't just so crass and intimate. It was a little bit more feminine, and I like that. Yeah, it was perfect for that mm. scene. I Do we need to talk about the plot, really? It's like, it's so well-written. It's so well-structured. I don't have anything other than, you know, what we kind of just discussed is maybe throw a little more representation in there if you were to make it today. But, I mean, this is the 90s. There's yeah, probably early not, 90s. Probably not a lot of FBI agents of color or probably if there are people, like, agents in the lgbt community they're probably closeted at that yeah. time or yeah. you know that they're or they've been forced out by yeah homophobia <laughs> like, and just to be know. clear i don't think that made it like a, i loved this movie yeah it's not that i'm like oh they did a bad job i'm just saying by today's standards exactly it may have been judged a little more harshly yeah so mm-hmm. i mean i just feel like i got just enough background on clarice that i needed mm-hmm. um I think if anything, I think it's interesting that they went with the silence of the lambs as the title. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that is like, uh, it's to me kind of a really small part of this. It's a moment. Um, it's a moment in the movie. It's, it's a not... moment you hear, you learn about for anyone who has gotten this far and hasn't watched the movie or doesn't know. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so it's called, so it, cause you're probably listening and you're like, well, where was the lambs and what they're talking about? So Clarice, after her dad dies, goes to live on a ranch with somebody and they were about to slaughter lambs. And that morning and the lambs were screaming and it woke her up and it frightened her. She's young at this time. Um, she goes in, sees all the lambs screaming and she opens the gate. She takes a lamb with her um, and she tries to run away. You find out she only got a couple miles. She was too little. The lamb was too heavy and they found her. They killed the lamb that she had tried to save and they killed all the other lambs, presumably too. Um, and so it just kind of scarred her and then they sent her to an orphanage after that. And so she, um, Hannibal Lecter, he just, he's so skillful in every scene with her, um, at cutting to her core really quickly mm-hmm. with very little detail about her life. He's able to, he's able to get to her, her psyche pretty quickly. You can mm-hmm. tell he can like read body language. You can tell that's what he's doing. He's so in tune mm-hmm. you know he is he's kind of like a mentalist and he also well he's um, a psychologist and he's a psychologist so, he's, so yeah, yeah uh, by trade that's what he did right mm-hmm. um and so he he kind of has a, obviously a really good sense of you know how a person is going to react and think especially somebody like clarice um but anyway and he's very attracted to her too i think which is an interesting dynamic. It's kind of the reason they sent him, sent her in anyway, is to get him riled up and right. you know get him worked up over a hot, like a hot young woman. But yeah. Anyway, I digress. Do you think uh, he's like, but he sexually tells... attracted to her? Um, I think so a little bit. Or do yeah. you think he like? I see. I could see that for sure. I think he... he more respects her. I think he does respect her, but I think he also enjoys toying with people, but especially mm-hmm. women. Um, which goes along with some of the things we've been talking about. Um, like one of my favorite. But yeah, he asked lines. her just bef- just to wrap up the lamb no, thing. <laughs> like, so he he asked her. Um, so you're trying to save these w- women and trying to save people. You've gone into this profession because you want to silence the lambs. Like you want the lam- lambs to stop screaming in your dreams or whatever. Um, and she's kind of shaken by that. Um, yeah, when she's, he says he's like, it. if you if you save her, then will the lambs stop? You know, crying. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. The name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I almost thought, so to go back to kind of where we were starting to hit on, 
was he sexually attracted to her? So the first time I watched the movie, I was going at it and he planted the seed as Crawford, like sexually attracted to her. The first time I walked the movie, watched the movie, I was kind of waiting for something to come of any side of that, you know? Um, but then the second time I watched it, I kind of felt like he almost took her under his wing, like a That's what mentor. Too. Like, yeah. like he, at first, when he first meets her, um, and she, you know, she comes in like, you can tell she's kind of nervous when she oh, yeah. first walks in and then she tries to like act like relaxed and cool. And he's like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do that. He's you like, know? oh, you were doing so well. When yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, anyway, will you fill out this? Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, you were doing, you know, um, so he almost like is coaching her how to be better, mm-hmm. you know, at it. And then it ends up giving her information that does help her solve the crime Mm -hmm. so it tells you it just shows you how fucking intelligent he is as a a villain as a a person a killer whatever like he no he has a plan before she even walks in that cell block for the first time he knows exactly what how he's gonna play her yeah to get what he wants which is to escape and when when she walks up like the first time you see dr lecter it's so good like, like that scene like animal- we- it's very yeah. animalistic and he's just standing there so like a lot of the scenes tight. he like, doesn't blink like on purpose and shit just yeah. to get he wore white on purpose yeah it's like a power that touches on power again like people are afraid of a lot of people in white like doctors and dentists mm-hmm. and stuff um what i was gonna say like when she walks in when Migs is like i can smell your cunt she walks in and he's like what did Migs say to you and yeah. you could tell he was expecting her not to say cunt. And he was, she was like, he, he said he could smell my cunt. And that like took him by surprise. Yeah, it was like a test. That she said that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved how he was like, oh, uh, you uh, use Evian lotion. And then he called out her perfume, but she wasn't wearing it today. He's like, normally you wear this whatever perfume it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he could just smell like after it's washed off. Mm-hmm. And his eyes like roll back in his head. Like, I also think there's a comment, <laughs> there's a big commentary on like health facilities and stuff like i don't know what the right word to say it is but it's almost like clarice treats him like human even though he may not be like she's like i thought you would like your art stuff yeah and then they hype him up that he's going to this beach and they're just like yeah right you're not going to the fucking beach yeah and that dude is like like you said a big fucking douchebag like laying one of my favorite scenes is when he's laying in his like uh cot that fucking dude that's like hit- hitting on clarice what's his Migs. name Migs. Um, no, not Miggs. Uh, and he's like cot? in charge of the, he's basically in charge of Lecter. So he's like, oh, right. so he's like, guy. he's like the head of the facility. Clifton I, or something. Was he's his? like uh, the head psychologist. Yes, of the facility. Clifton, I think. And yeah. Hannibal Lecter's like, like he, this guy's a hack. He's a hack of a psychologist. And he's also he's an like. asshole. And Barney, who's the dude that like takes care of Lecter. You can tell that they have like kind of a friendship. Yeah. Thanks Barney. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. He's like very respectable and stuff. Yeah. But I love the scene when that douchebag is laying down and his pen is just sitting there and Hannibal Lecter is just like looking at the pen and doesn't blink at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and much foreshadowing like, oh, there. Dude. Like, you know what? <laughs> like, it's such blatant foreshadowing. Uh huh. In some movies, you may not like it, but you're like, oh, when's that going to come up? Uh huh. <laughs> and then he goes to look for it in his coat pocket and mm-hmm. that. It's uh, not there. In the yeah. hangar. And you're oh, like, yeah, for sure. I mean, so should good. we? There's so many awesome scenes worth talking about should mm-hmm. we just get into for sure favorite Becky, scenes? What's, what's some of your yeah. favorite scenes i'm gonna i'll give you like we just talked about when she first mm-hmm. sees him that's one of my favorite scenes um, and he's just so stiff and the way he watches her without really moving mm-hmm. um 
And I love how they make her, they make her so human because she's nervous and you can see that you can feel that you almost, even before she walks in there, they have Barney talking to her, but you're looking at Barney. Like I was Clarice in this movie. I felt like the way Mm -hmm. they film it. Um, so I felt like Barney was talking directly to me. Um, so that was really cool. So that's one of my favorite scenes is that when she walks in there, let's talk about that one. Okay. So that is like one of the most iconic scenes in the, and it's like mm-hmm. cop. It, it is referenced. I should say not copied. It's referenced in a lot of movies. And in fact, I was hoping you would mention Austin Powers because you love Austin Powers so <laughs> like much. My, so I, the movie, my favorite movie yeah, ever so, is the Austin Powers trilogy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so in gold member, I don't know where that is in the, in That's the, the series, the third one, uh, yes. <laughs> but there's a whole scene with uh, Dr. Evil in like the kind of glass box, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in isolation, he's been arrested. Um, did you pick up on all I the did, references no, to I, I the should... silence of the lambs? From no, well, cause Remember? I have watched the Austin Powers movies like incessantly. Right. And, but I haven't probably watched it in two years and I didn't even, I'm sure if I would have seen silence of the lambs first, that would have like hit home with mm-hmm. me. But so here I'll point some out and see if they if they ring okay uh, ring okay. a bell for you. So when he's like quid quo, quid pro quo, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's yes. from this movie when he um, plasters himself against the the glass yeah. after yeah. after Migs comes on her, he calls Cleese over, yeah, and he's plasters himself really dramatically against the glass. Yes, he's like speaking yep. really fast to give her information. Yes, that he they do yep. that in yep. uh, Austin Powers, and he says fly fly. Fly, fly, fly. He does, and he does in this movie too. Uh, so there's so many references. References. To Listen, that. I feel like not just because of Austin Powers, but just like in life in general. Like, how have I went this far with like people? Like, it rubs the lotion on the skin, or else it gets the hose again. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea why people said that. Like, <laughs> now you do, don't you feel like wow? I'm like Joe in Dirt. <laughs> Joe, there was a big spoof in Joe Dirt. Yeah, Did you see like, Joe Dirt back in the day? Uh, yeah, I've seen Joe Dirt. Yeah, Buffalo yeah. Bob or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, what was the other one? Oh, even like the Hello Clarice, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people oh, yeah. reference a lot of stuff from this movie that, like, I, for 37 years, have been missing out on, apparently. Or, mm-hmm. well, I guess 27 years because <laughs> it didn't come out until I was like 10. <laughs> right. But yeah, this is one of those movies. Like, it's it's in our cult, like, our pop yeah. culture. So and I mm-hmm. just saw it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Hey, Becky. but, like, better late than never. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, one of my, f- I want to just point out one of my favorite oh, quotes sure. from this scene because this is a really long scene. This is her mm-hmm. first scene with Lecter, which I think is appropriate. But one of my favorite things he he says is when he really starts to read her to filth, as like some people might say. But he's like, <laughs> he just wants to show that he is smarter and faster than her, right? So he's like, mm-hmm. and he wants to tear her down a little bit, and he wants to get in her head. And he's like, uh, you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes. He you look like a up- rube. He talks about love her, that. Love he that talks quote. about her cheap shoes more than once. Like this dude will not let her cheap shoes go. He he just wants to point out. Listen, like, I see you. I well, see you. You can't fool me. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and he wants to be like, I know where you come from. Like mm-hmm. you're not. You can't escape your past completely. I feel like like I know where you come from, and yeah. I'm gonna let you know I know. Because he did. He uh, there was a few times he talks about her shoes. Yeah. Uh, oh, and do you know the other most famous quote in this scene? Do you remember? I wrote down. It's the one I hear all the time. I think it's in Austin Powers too, actually. Um, when he's he says a census taker once tried to test me. Oh yeah, I yeah. ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Chianti. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and then the fly fly at the end. See, I like her I response so- to like his cheap shoes and all this other shit. And she's like, you might want to. She says something like, you might want to use that same tactic on yourself. You yeah, might look like in the mirror. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> look in the mirror. He's like, ooh. 
Yeah. So I think he enjoys the what that she brings something to the table. She's not probably like most agents who come in and they're. Well, think about it. They're they're definitely not female usually. Mm-hmm. You right. know, for the they're, most part, they're men. It's almost like a game of chess between them. Oh yeah. And they're trying to figure out like. It's so who, fun. Like who's the who's two steps ahead here? Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, that's like that's one of my favorite scenes too, Becky. What was your other one? My other one is, I mean, at the end when she is in the basement and it's dark. And she's just like shaking and she's oh, just shaking. Horrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just shaking and you can see that he sees her um, and you're like, she's dead. Like she's dead. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, they don't, I don't, I feel like I've lo- uh, watched a lot of like thriller type movies where she's, you know, going through the basement and she's breathing heavy and she is nervous as all get out. But I've watched a lot of thriller movies um, not to be, you know, picking on the male, the males that are in these movies, but they are always so stiff and good and like, you yeah. know what I mean? I was in the Marines. Like, yeah. Nothing to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, she's not that like, no. she is shook up. She's freaking out. Um, and it's, it's just so good. And she doesn't have a plan until she hears that click. Well, she's gun. about like how it really is. Right. To where like, uh, like one of the, one of the scenes that I noticed that was she like kicks the door and it like kind of comes back and hits her a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, shit like that's going to happen, man. Right. You're, like, like fucking in this dude's like nightmare nest. Yeah. And like you're entering his world literally. Right. That's what I said. It's like, she's where I wrote down, I should say like he, she is when she's going through his house, it is, it is like, the scariest haunted house I, yeah. I could imagine walking through. And every single door she turns, there she goes through, every hallway, there's something horrific. Yeah. Like, and the woman's, like, totally decomposed body in the tub. Like, right. That stuff's going to shake you up. One, one and of I, the things that I thought was cool was that the film opens on an obstacle course, on Clarice running through an obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Good point. And then it closes, like, with her going through Bill's obstacle course. Oh, I didn't even if think of that. Are. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I I did love that that Catherine, the one she's trying to say, was like, come back here, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I said that was Rose if she ever got captured because she's like so sassy. <laughs> she's giving him shit and he's like, just put the bucket lotion in the basket. <laughs> and I'll never, uh, thanks to her as well, I will never never hear Tom Petty's American Girl the same. Oh, yeah. Like that, like that song is now part of this movie to me, which I'm sure mm-hmm. it is for most of America, apparently. Yeah. Pop culture, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. You touched on one of my favorite scenes is, is it's like the POV we're getting into. And we see this like right after that American uh, girl scene where Bill is looking through his night vision goggles, like almost like Predator. and Well, it's not almost like it is like Predator and Prey. Mm-hmm. And you, you can, yep. You're just seeing from his POV and that is so fucking horrifying. And like at the end, like Clarice is in the dark. She can't see shit. And he's just like fucking reaching out and like touching her hair like almost like yeah that's that part is so fucking creepy man and you know she can feel it because mm-hmm. you know but she can't quite figure it out exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you want to hear one of my like yeah, you, we, sure. we've touched on my favorite favorite scenes but um another one that i uh, wrote down it's the scene so we, you see hannibal Lecter. they don't show you everything right when hannibal Lecter is escaping you get a sense like you hear him say something about what was the officer's name? Uh, it starts with a P, but I forget. But like, so he has incapacitated one officer, and the other one is like, you hear him trying to crawl away. You just hear the sounds of him crawling away. They don't show it. And Hannibal Lecter picks up a knife, uh, the pocket knife of one of the other officers, and he basically talks, says something to the to the officer to 
to say I'm coming for you. So just mm-hmm. give him an idea, toying with him. Um, and so you don't really know what happens after that. And it's Sergeant Pembry. Sergeant, yeah, Sergeant yeah. Pembry. And it's uh, such a brilliant way he escaped too. Um, yeah. And because you don't realize until the end when he's in that ambulance. Like that, I was always so shocked. Like when I first saw this movie, I was so shocked. I didn't see that coming where he's in the ambulance and pulls that guy's face off. Like nobody even noticed because they just thought he yeah. carved up the guy's face or something. But mm-hmm. like, that was wild. And it's like, the others... think, how con- think how crazy you have to be to think of a plan like that. It's kind of funny, this movie, so sometimes they foreshadow things so blatantly, like with mm-hmm. the pen, for example. You know something's mm-hmm. going to happen with the pen. Um, but then there's other things that like you don't see coming. That's one of them. And then the other one, they really got me with the doorbell at the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. They got me. Like, And I don't get got easy. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I usually see things coming. I did not see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably was just too excited that it was in Calumet City, which is like right where I grew up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so the, so all the, all the seasoned agents are out mm-hmm. in Calumet city at the wrong fucking house. Yeah. And she's out in Ohio following her hunch, you know, and I then, thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, like you said, like the, uh, Demi kind of plays like a, a little trick, like directing style. Cause they bust in and then he opens the door and you realize, Oh, Clarice is all alone. Yeah. With the kill with the fucking literal psychopath. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite low key scenes is the uh, cameo by Bulldog Briscoe when she's looking at the moths. Wait, he's oh, one of he the guys. Oh, he was one of the the bug scientists. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even so, realize. So he says like that these were raised and stuff like these death moths or whatever. The death head moth. Yeah, yeah death head moth. And then it um it cuts to uh, Buffalo Bills like in slash workshop and you see all the moths and shit and he's like sitting naked in the chair and there's another badass song playing it's called uh um alone by colin newman but that part is so fucked up he's sitting there like stitching and stuff yeah you just get like little glimpses into his like world it's like Ugh. i like that one i love the scene with buffalo bill when he's it's the good horses scene or mm-hmm. goodbye horses or whatever that song is um the classic one where he's totally distracted she gets the dog um what's the dog's name uh fuck. <laughs> i should know that it's so it's precious precious precious, yeah. precious. <laughs> of course it's a white poodle named precious Why i love how he loves his dog though yeah, yeah which like, is, don't which hurt is, my fucking dog yeah <laughs> don't make me hurt your dog yeah, yeah which is exactly which is like honestly a little out of character for a, a psycho killer like usually they don't really care about animals they'll kill an animal no problem but this is his precious uh-huh. um but no it's the when he's putting on the the lipstick and he's like talking to himself in the music oh, yeah. would you fuck me i'd fuck me so hard like, yeah <laughs> it's oh, just yeah. like oh my it's god really it's really into himself as he's wearing someone else's scalp yeah mm-hmm. exactly it's just wow by he the really way puts the I, chills down my spine oh dude that scene is fucked up man um i wanted to show you this earlier so i don't know this is one of my favorite horror posters ever but I describe it for but so it's jodie foster's face with the death head moss over her mouth it says Silence of the Lambs at the bottom, but if you look into the skull, like it looks like a skull, but it's actually this Salvador Dali painting of women kind of naked. Oh. Never would have noticed kinda that. So we'll we'll post that on cool. social when we yeah. when we share about the episode. Yeah, that's really um, cool. So y'all can see it, but I yeah I would not have noticed that at all. That's how that's really how they the moth is the way they clock they like find him. Yeah, I mean because um, it's such a rare thing. Yeah, because they so. they're like these aren't these aren't 
like domestic to America. He had to have brought these in from another country. So they're combing the records of yeah. all this and they find him so, that way. All right. So I might have a, like we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I kind of want to like talk about all the scenes of like misogyny and stuff in the workplace. Oh, yeah. oh, hit, hit us with bring it. it. We so <laughs> when she arrives to, um, at the funeral home or whatever to do the, they found that body and um, what's her boss's name? Crawford. He's, he says, like, not in front of a woman, woman yeah. or whatever. And yeah. she confronts him in the car about it. Like, it matters yeah. to her. And yeah. Stuff like that. And, like, mm-hmm. she's not scared to say that to the guy that, like, Runs. pretty much is going to be like, yes or no, you're going to be an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. She's like, it matters. Well, and he's like, and he the, took it. Yeah. At least in the behavioral sciences unit. Like, yeah. Uh, for sure. Her dream job. And even mm-hmm. when she walks in, like, all the guys are like, like, she says, like, cleared out. Like, no one needs to be in here. Like, uh, just let, us, know, take, now. let us take care of her. Right. Go and they just kind of like look at her like, Who and you? then they kind of just like slowly like exit the room or whatever. So I, I'm not exactly sure why you chose this movie for me. I mean, I have some ideas, but, um, I don't know if you realize that like the my, tucking scene, the tucking scene, <laughs> amazing. And I appreciate that. But my dad was actually from West Virginia. So really? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I noticed this about, yeah. This movie too. So I, and it, it's better now than it was then, like, probably because the internet and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is a different world, like, mm-hmm. um, or it was. Um, I mean, back not that long ago where my dad's from, which I actually looked up is like two counties over from where, I think they said they're in Clay County. But anyway, it's it's very poor. And when I went there, it mm-hmm. I stick out like a sore thumb. Like, you can tell I'm not from West Virginia. And she's from there, but she's moved on, you know? Mm-hmm. So Like, she would be considered really progressive for... Right. Uh, like a West Virginian at that time. A female. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was watching it with Danny and I think he's like, it's like they've never seen a woman before. He's like, and I was like, you've been with me to West Virginia. Like <laughs> it can be like that. Like oh, that's yeah. pretty realistic. Um, mm-hmm. You know how they're treating her kind of like, okay, little girl, like little, you pretty little thing. Yeah. Um, Why aren't you at home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should be having babies or something. I bet a lot of like, law enforcement agencies might still be like that oh yeah for sure like military for sure everything like that yeah yeah unfortunately yeah we're we're still facing stuff like clarice goes through in this movie right Um, like the the men and this happens at least in my my experience a lot less you know i've never had this happen to me in a work well mm, i have a few stories but i won't share them um about past places i've worked but um where Every time she encounters a, a man, like a new man in her professional setting, they hit on her or they say something just slightly inappropriate. Right. Where if she were to have a, a negative reaction in the moment and not, and she really kept her cool well throughout all these experiences, mm-hmm. she played it as well as she could. But if she had reacted like any woman would want to, which is like to say, "I'm um, excuse me, fuck you," yeah, um, <laughs> they would be like, yeah. "Oh, you're being sensitive." Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, I it was will just say, joking. the cross-eyed dude was kind of like, "All right," like she was like, "Are you hitting on me?" And he's like, "Yes, I am." <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like he's a little different because he like he you know shoots his shot. Yeah, but he's like, "What do you do? You ever go out for beers and burgers?" Like, like, I'm like, "Oh, that man. was a little more innocent versus like the oh, you know, well, if you have a good host, they could really show you Baltimore, like slimy well, and gross, exactly." Ugh. And they're on a different uh, social level, like in professional level, right? These yeah. guys were ex- outside experts. 
Um, they're pretty green and young like her. They're about like closer to her age. And then the men who give you the creepy vibe, like he had like this innocent, like like Becky said, shooting a shot. Um, whereas the other guys are like, I have power. I'm above you. Exactly. Like, let me make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Which still happens in a lot of places today. Right. For sure. Um, but, but yeah, that West Virginia scene, like really like kind of stuck with me. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, like I've been in West Virginia, not been an FBA. I, I (laughs) agent there, but like I've been uncomfortable. Uh (laughs) So uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. Like I was like, this definitely feels like West Virginia when I was visiting. I mean, it was what I looked forward to every summer, but definitely some awkwardness. It took me a long time to take Danny there because of, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the fact he's not white, the fact that he's not white. And I mean, I think the year after we married, um, some like they in the county that he was in that my family lived in there was like a black girl tied up in a shed that yeah, they like I, so like there's some crazy stuff that happens there but not everyone's like that obviously mm-hmm. um, you know but there's there's the spot so I could see it with like the county officers you know that she was encountering mm-hmm. like that seems very realistic and um, yeah but I love that she she told him like you know it matters yeah mm-hmm. and I it think does. and I think it's awesome that he took that and was like you know what you're right cool yeah uh, that won't happen again yep. you know he didn't say that but you get you know you know that that's what he's thinking i think he was a really good boss mm-hmm. like he because yeah, he said like point taken or point, yeah like, what it, yeah like, he accepted it and even in the the scene that we're we're getting into with um i don't, I don't want to call it the autopsy but like the exam where they're examining the body of the woman that was found you could tell that like he and the other guy that are in there are professionals they've been doing this this body does not them the way it her she's a little like so is there anything in your notes that we did not touch on becky oh. <laughs> um i like when she says i graduated from uva it's not a charm school mm-hmm. that's another good feminist moment there like oh yeah i forgot that yeah that was a, a good one it's not a charm school yeah what what prompted that i forget because he so was you, mansplaining to her yeah how he to his taste yeah. yeah yeah he was like mansplaining how to handle him and like said you're his taste you're his taste you know for lack of better words or something um and she knows him she knows his file back and front like she studied him and she's like what do you mean yeah like classy broad like i'm just a woman and you're just assuming all women are the same right right an idiot i see i remember now yeah it's not a charm school she's good she uses so few words to to right really get to you like it matters that's all she had to say yep all right trav Look for severe childhood disturbances associated with violence. Our Billy wasn't born a criminal, Clarice. He was made one through years of systematic abuse. Which is true. T- true of Ed Gein. True of a lot of serial killers. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's like I think... Ed Gein was just like a sad. Like if you really look into these dudes, and that's one of the things that Ted Levine like, because um, he, he said he was probably shown shit that like he probably shouldn't have seen. Like with interviews of um, Bundy? Uh, Gary Heidnick, oh. but he was like there. They were interviews of Gary Heidnick, like just sitting in a chair, like talking about how he trapped woman women in his basement because basically women wouldn't go out with him, mm-hmm. and it was like I'm gonna take power over them now. And he's just like it was so fucking lame, and like you're just like God, these dudes are like just fuckers man like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah, you expect them to be some kind of master criminal mastermind but their their motivations are very simple and fucking scary so. right and it's like it's like animalistic the, and, and, like or the, something what's mm-hmm. the word for them now incels incels right mm-hmm. yeah and that's it's like um 
and one of the cool things that Unspool did have was they had a FBI like like a, a dude like a profiler on mm-hmm. and he was talking about like organized um killers versus non-organized and he was saying that like and I thought that segment was really cool cuz like Hannibal Lecter is your more organized whereas you know aka Ted Bundy Ted Bundy very smart very manipulative had a regular job could hold it down but could manipulate the fuck out of you mm-hmm. like anybody that he talked to he could ma- manipulate and then there's dudes like Gary Ridgeway where he had like a 60 IQ and he just like who know like his mother like would abuse him as a kid and stuff and like force him to have sex with her I think and like all this other stuff so it's like it's kind of like it's not to play sympathetic to them but it's almost like god dude like Gary Ridgeway should have just been locked up like yeah it's like some serial killers are true psychopaths which is like that's in their brains you know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not something they've learned like they are that way and some some psychopaths like also can be triggered there's a lot of psychopaths who are like ceos and mm-hmm. they don't kill people right but um like a sociopath i heard a psychologist say this once um a psychopath is born a sociopath is made mm-hmm. um it's they're taught to, to be that way and sort of abused into it or it's or they learn it from their parents like a lot of you see a lot of super rich families who just get more and more brutal i think we can think of one um (laughs) they get they just care less and less about they have less less empathy you know as every generation that comes up yep not having work for anything and they they see all they care about is maintaining their lifestyle um but that's like so that's that's sociopathy kind of passed down but like a psychopath they're they've stuck they're still doing a lot of research but they're studying psychopaths who they can only study the ones who have been caught of course um and are in prison but they are finding that there is like uh i don't know if it's a genetic or it's like a or a chemical thing i don't know but it's like in their being you know mm-hmm. it's innate and it can be triggered by something well and that's like and that's the whole concept of like dexter like mm-hmm. he couldn't help mm-hmm. it so he like right they had to train him to use it Use it for as good as you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like, uh, again, not to bring up Bundy, but it, it, this movie has a lot to deal with like him, but that's why people are so fascinated with him and stuff. And he, that was like r- the recent controversy is because, you know, people like girls on Twitter were like, choke me daddy. And, you know, stuff oh, like, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like treating him like, yeah, like he's hot and stuff, which you know, he's, he's good looking. But anyway, who was the other guy um, that that, this doesn't need to be on the podcast, but who is the guy? Oh, in yes, Calif- it definitely does. No, the guy in California um, who had all the women that like would write to him. And oh, my gosh. Charles uh, Manson. Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Oh, Thank yeah. you. He still gets women to marry him. Yeah, like Charles Manson <laughs> gets. Didn't he die? Did he die? Uh, yeah, I think he impregnated, impregnated someone. Which though. is which is like weird that he came up because he's actually never been proven to kill someone. He was right. Just, he like, manipulated people into doing it for right. him. Yeah. Crazy. He's a good he's like example. A cult leader. Like they're, yeah, mm-hmm. and he's a good example of. And I know Kate has watched a lot of like true crime shit and stuff. Mm-hmm. I so, like listening to true crime for podcasts. Sure. Have you ever watched an interview with Mar- Charlie Manson though? Uh uh-uh. uh And that's one of the problems with like, um, treat like a lot of people think that he's like the genius and shit like that. And it's like, dude, if you just listen to him for like five minutes, you're like, okay, this dude is like just disturbed like yeah. nothing he's saying is making any sense like 
you get again like you said trav like five minutes in and you're like wait and then he says something that's like wait wait a minute we've gone a little far wait here. a minute now we're in manifesto territory yeah like this is <laughs> for sure is that um, an american obsession but that's how they get people huh is that an american obsession with serial killers like is that american is that an american i think it's a, a human obsession because it's ab- so abnormal yeah we can't fathom it a normal person can't fathom it yeah Mm-hmm. I know I like my favorite podcast is like a female aside from this one of course is a female <laughs> criminals one like I love oh, yeah. like I love hearing about these women that just kind of you can name do some them, crazy shit who, Sarah my favorite, Rose Hagen? My favorite Mer- is that Mer- one of them no I, I do like I've listened to that one a few times but no it's called it's called female criminals oh um, okay, it's a, I, I think podcast is that one is that a I, don't I know. think I so yeah podcast. it's a podcast one it's really good but they just it's usually like um They'll do two episodes, about 45 minutes each. So they'll tell like the life they're a lot of like how they grew up. Mm-hmm. So like you start to kind of mm-hmm. like have a soft spot for these poor ladies because they like, oh, yeah, you know, this is where they grew up. This is how they grew up. Um, and then they will how they killed people and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And There's see, this really is like ones. and Jess would be like the the fourth wheel on this true crime podcast that we're starting right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm like a I'm a huge uh, crime junkie fan. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Crime Junkie? Uh-uh. Crime Junkie's pretty dope. Yeah. Like, and they're an indie. This was one of my main questions, like, revisiting this. And this is kind of, like, my final takeaway from it. Fuck, what was I going? I feel like I just smoked a joint. <laughs> well, we were... It was the fascination with darkness kind of thing. Like, I brought it up just a minute ago, but, mm-hmm. like, was why are we so head? attracted? Like, we're talking about true crime podcasts now, right. and we love mm-hmm. listening to, like stuff about people getting hacked up and like, but I was just like, why am I so fascinated with like the Buffalo Bill character and Hannibal Lecter character? Like, it's like, why are we so fascinated with darkness looking in? Yeah. The dark? I mean, I guess like Katie said, cause like we can't fathom it. Like, because like, wow, like I don't, is that like a, a fear of ours? Like how far away am I from this from person? Or like I these could... people are human. Like, is that kind of a thing? I don't think think for me, it's not that because I definitely am like, I don't know. I couldn't even go hunting Mm -hmm. (laughs) like for an animal to eat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I think for a lot of us who haven't uh, fortunately um, had any kind of experience, at least I haven't, with a person that I know being murdered. I have never been almost murdered. You know, like, so it's a situation you hope to never experience but you you're curious and fascinated by the idea of like serial killers yes but like honestly any kind of murder story is interesting and i a lot of people would say listening to that kind of media looking at that kind of media is exploitative of the victims and all this kind of thing but it's like part of it is a sick curiosity and there's no excuse for that. Like, it just is, I think, natural and human to be fascinated by the abnormal. I think that's how psychology as mm-hmm. a field started. I think part of it as a woman is just, like, wanting to know all the different tricks that killers have to kill us. Oh, for like, sure. For I example, mean, if there is a man f- with a van <laughs> and a broken arm, yeah. do not crawl inside. Dude, I mean, I'll tell you what. That scene, like, fucked me up this time watching it. I'll be yeah. honest. Like, the violence in that scene was, like, real to me. Like mm-hmm. when he hits her with the cast and stuff. Do you feel like she like, kind oh. of, she knew she shouldn't be doing it too. She was like, I felt like she was battling inner demons in that scene. Oh, she was. The, well, she was like, this is, uh, this would be a like, dumb fuck, thing. Do but, I help him? Yeah. But as women, especially at the, uh, in that time, like, and all the time, really, we're taught to be, you know, helpful and we're taught to be 
you know, docile and trusting and like it, like what was going through her, the reason she did it, even though her gut was telling her run away, do not do this. You could see it in her face mm-hmm. is, well, I don't want to look like a bad person. I don't want yeah. someone to think I'm a bad person. Yeah. And that's something a lot of men aren't really brought up to think about right. themselves, but women are always thought to think about like, well, how you're, how are you coming off? Are you coming off ladylike? Are you, a, yeah. are you being, well, because it's a power a thing, person? right? It's like, um, men can't really Brooks and I walking around we can only like try to understand, but we won't be able to understand like you guys walking around. The, and you yeah. get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's like it's a different fear. There's yeah. always an underlying fear, and I mean, as a kid, my mom was teaching me, and she grew up a, like in the era of serial killers, you know, um, Bundy and all them. Mm-hmm. Like she was a young teenage. Like, yeah, it's like she was the young. classics as Becky she would have been. Uh, <laughs> she would have been just their type, you know. Yeah. Uh, of their victims but anyway she, she i remember her like telling me like don't wear a ponytail have i talked about this before with you guys Mm-mm. but like do, uh, obviously don't go into parking garages at night by yourself have a coworker go with you like never park by a van never par- like never wear a ponytail uh when, if you know you're going to be going to your car at night after work because they can grab you by the ponytail and and yank you and pull you like make wear hairstyles that are you know harder for them to control you with like carry your keys have mace yeah always check your back seat and lock your doors immediately before like before you do anything before you just head to your car if you're parked in between cars like the, again a lot of it is car based because she was like as ted bundy was like running amok when right. she was a kid well and there weren't um, like cell phones like what we ha- like i didn't get a cell phone until i was like you know they weren't they weren't really a thing until i was like 16 yeah it's like never walk so, alone at night Never yeah. run at night by yourself. Like yeah. always have a buddy. And it's like, these are things that a lot of men, I would argue most men don't grow up right. being told like you, there are all these horrible things that could happen to you. Right. So, you know, you have to have, you have to be equipped with this, this knowledge and this really fucking innocence killing stuff. Right. To oh, keep yeah. you safe. Like we were, we were young, young girls and my mom, like our, my grandparents lived around the block. Literally, we could ride our bikes there in, like, less than five minutes. And mom would tell us, like, you can't – none of you – you have to go together. And she would tell us, like, stay on the sidewalk. If anyone comes up to you, she was, like, drives up to you, anything, scream, fire, and run. Like, because, obviously, that's the word that you use. You can't say rape. You can't say help. Like, you have to say – like, she said, scream, fire, and and run, run away, stick together, Right. You know, like these are things that, that we're they're, t- they're telling us young girls, like little girls, mm-hmm. we yeah. have to know to do that. And don't I don't think anyone was weird. telling, yeah, I don't think anyone was telling little boys anything other than like, you know, don't talk to strangers. Rub, rub some dirt well, on it. You'll be fine. Like, yeah, don't talk to strangers about the, uh, as much as you guys had to worry about. Robbed, but there's nothing like, yeah. here's a question for you guys. And this is related. And this is my podcast. So we can go how long we want. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you guys think, that a majority of serial killers are white males in their 30s to 40s. They're like, unexpected. Um, they, like you said, they can they can blend well with society. You know what I mean? Is it something to do with being born with privilege, uh, being rejected by like, you know, if they're like a misogynist, like yeah. you know, 
Like the, like you said, the incels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, absolutely. Well, some yeah. of them come from like really poor backgrounds too, and so it's a matter. It, their issue is with rich people, right? And rich women in particular, you know. So, I think it's hard to pinpoint, right? Like one thing about it, but you're right. It is, you know. Well, and there's I, like I feel like there's got to be something um, societal, right? It's something societal, and I think that's part of it. But I think there's also got to be something a little bit. You know, genetic. And I say this all the time and like, uh, cause me and the dudes will be working and it's like, obviously I'm a minority, uh, dudes I work with are minorities and I'm like, we, we're always teasing, uh, my buddy Jack, uh, white dude, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half white, but we're always teasing them and we're just like, um, my friend Mike Collins is black and we're, we're just like, man, Mexicans and black people got so many other problems. Like white people ain't got no problems. So they just sit around and fucking... <laughs> like go crazy and <laughs> yeah, like a, American like, Psycho is like a good example yeah, of that <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah, and I, I guess maybe there's those like expectations that are put on a certain you know white males in their 30s of what That's they should have, going. what they should have at a certain time and uh, and their life. You know, at 30, 40 years old. Yeah, should... so I think there's stressors and triggers in that way. They're at their physical prime, like they can overpower people easier. I mean, you like, even look at it like, and they the have the audacity. Shooter. Frankly, like a lot of like you're right. I think a lot of people of color just have too many other sh- things to fucking worry about. Well, I mean, like just look at the news. I mean, black people are getting shot by cops and fucking yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? It's like I think there's something to the privilege. And then expecting that privilege yeah, forever. And then... They're entitled. They feel entitled. Like, look at the shooter thing. It's like, oh, you were mean to me. So... Yeah. Like, yeah, they feel entitled to, to women's attention. And, right. Because I'm a, I'm a man. I'm and that man brings us back world. to Buffalo Bill, where it's like, who knows if he's really gay or whatever, but he wanted to take that power away from women, like you said. Mm-hmm. But also, we were talking about, like, their privilege. Like, you know, they these expectations of mm-hmm. men... Um, and how they're not supposed to be sensitive. So do you think like, hey, maybe there'd be less of these problems if like mental health was something that was more mm-hmm. um, accepted? Like you're allowed to talk about your feelings and we're getting there in society, right? Like people are starting to be like, everyone's got a therapist. It's fine, you know? Um, but back in this time, like Buffalo Bill probably was not uh, speaking to anyone professionally for help. Like could that help? You're right about there need, needing to be some more reform, like as a society, but also systemically with mental health and see, like helping people in that way. But I feel like there's also like these killers start testing things out young. Oh, for sure. And so if they need to do some education amongst parents, like the, no one wants to think of their precious baby or their precious little child um, as potentially being this horrific person when they grow up. But I think it's important for for parents to know so the signs of things to look for. Like, yeah, if your kid is, you know, playing around with killing little animals in the woods, like maybe you should get them some help. Like, yeah. see a professional who can help guide you. It's and not s- just a boy being a boy. Yeah, exactly. And alar- yeah. alarm you to maybe like, mm, he might have something majorly wrong. Like, maybe we should do something. Yeah. Um, uh, but so, someone argued that they can't be helped and that they're going to do it no matter what. Because see, and I think know. that that is like us trying to get out of it, the burden of that. Because I think one of the most disturbing things is looking at these serial killers and realizing like that they are human, that they're not just animals. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like that's what's like so fascinating about it. I think is like yeah. we want to separate them from 
us. Yeah, like we're yeah. we're like the normal. we're humane and they're <laughs> right. Yeah, you're yeah, you're right. I think that's why I like hearing the stories of like like I mentioned that podcast where it's like the first half is always like their childhood and how they grew up and you know they'll talk a little bit about the psychology of it and stuff. It's interesting to me. All right, Becky, give me rating. Final thoughts. Uh, oh, goodness. She's like two out of five. No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to say like 4.7 out of five, I uh, would say. What would get it to five? Yeah, well, is there anything that they could improve? I did mention some of the foreshadowing was a little heavy, mm-hmm. you know, um, which was which was okay, but I don't know. You hate this movie, don't you? I freaking loved this movie. <laughs> I, I am not one to give anything a five out of five. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's ever quite perfect. Ask Danny. so i think that could have been done better (laughs) i was just like just caught on to that i was already thinking about seven i was like when can we get becky back on for seven (laughs) i agree i would say five out of five for me um i there's not anything i would change about this movie like i guess i don't i see your point that like yeah how did he get the pen and I, I kind of get what you're saying about the foresh- like the foreshadowing being a little heavy at times. But for me, I wasn't bothered by it. And I don't feel like I need to know how I got the pen. Because it's just like... But that's not to say you're not right. I think maybe if they added a little scene. Or maybe maybe it's on the cutting room floor somewhere. Who knows? Maybe they did show it. And they were just like, eh, we need to cut. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I love this movie. I, every time I watch it, I have nothing else to say other than it's amazing. Um, and it deserves all the accolades it has gotten. I would say it's highly recommended. Highly For recommended sure. to every. To every I can't I believe I the, just saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of the stronger films that we've done. We've done some like classics. Yeah, but I would put this like right at the top with like the thing. And yeah, I genuinely wouldn't change anything about this movie. No, think. and like rewatching it again, like I think because I, I think I last time I watched this it was in theaters, like not when it came out, but obviously clearly but, you weren't born yet, were yeah, you? They released it like two years ago. Okay. Yeah, I was born. 90. What year were you born? 90. 90. Okay, so just. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, I actually went to see it in theaters by myself, and there was like two other guys in the theater. <laughs> so I was, I was tucking in the back of the theater, like, putting on lipstick. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like a five out of five to me, man. Like, uh, I think it's like I'm getting... So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't watch a lot of movies, and yeah, you're... Yeah. It matters. I mean, four point seven out of five. We're giving you shit, but four point seven out of five is like almost perfection. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, all right. Um, but yeah, this is like I think this is catapulting into like my top five to top ten uh, horror movies ever. Maybe even movies ever. Like I really, really like. I would this say movie movies ever. I, yeah. Top. I mean, I just saw it, and I I definitely think it's gonna be in my top movies I've seen. I like re- all around poster soundtrack like film the acting in it i know we didn't really touch but they were just so good yeah because it's like what can you really say other than anthony hopkins has like the his range as an actor is just unbelievable to me the way he i don't know if anyone can ever play a serial serial killer that's like highly intelligent like hannibal lecter like well and his influence can still be seen the dark knight like a lot of that shit was influenced by the I, I watched his scenes and I'm just like the subtlety of some of the things he does with his facial expression yep. and the when he way rolls he, his eyes his, back like he yeah and just the the way he the phrasing of the of the way he speaks so and good. says the words and the 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 slight twang in his voice it's like oh god it's is so he good. the best movie villain of all time I don't know if I've seen all the movie villains of but see, and this is one of the things that um, Paul Shear said 
that I disagreed with as well. And this is like still me and my rating. Um, but he was factoring in the sequels and he was like making the point that it kind of damages this. And that's why I said I might be scared to watch them. Well, Look but I made a note I and fun. I think that's a problem with fandom. Yeah. And, and that agree. gets into like a deeper issue. Like with the Ghostbusters thing. It's like no one's taking away your Ghostbusters right. that you had growing up. Yeah. Like they're making new ones. Yes. No one can take away the first Ghostbusters yeah. fandom. And fandom can be very, very toxic. Yeah. And I think that's like an example of like no one is taking away like this legendary performance. Like which I would argue like him and Darth Vader. Probably like the two best villains. Uh, who else would you put in the running of like best of, of villains like i don't dark even... knight joker heath ledger mm, yeah that was i don't know i need to think about this more maybe this is the topic for a, a bonus episode <laughs> we're we should um, talk about the best horror villains so like the soundtrack as well would probably be in my top five horror soundtracks oh yeah this I is love a good this one fucking soundtrack. yeah the soundtrack is real good um but yeah i love this fucking movie man um i'm excited to have you on for seven um but yeah five out of five I do have a book recommendation. <laughs> We're just like, I'm like, why do you think people take drugs? <laughs> the first time I saw that, I was super stoned, by the way. Becky is very easy to get lost in a conversation with. Love you. Uh, Becky is going to be on our True Crime podcast once we expand the network. That's what we need to do. Um, so this is broken. I, every week I give like book recommendations and stuff. Sometimes they're kind of related. Sometimes they're not. Like I, kind of in the same theme. Um, this is Broken Monsters by Lauren Bukes. I think that I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Katie's, Katie went to school for journalism, so. So I can it. read she's names. She's got it down. <laughs> she knows yeah, things. she can read. <laughs> um, okay. So, Detective Gabriella Versado has seen a lot of bodies, but this one is unique even by Detroit standards. Half boy, half deer, somehow fused together. As stranger and even more disturbing bodies are discovered, how can the city hold on to a reality that is already tearing at its seams? If your detective Versado's geeky teenage daughter, Layla, Layla, you commence a dangerous flirtation with a potential predator online. If you're desperate freelance journalist, Jono, you do whatever it takes to get the exclusive on a horrific story. If you're Thomas Keen, note on the street as TK, you'll do what you can to keep your homeless family safe and find the monster who is possessed by the dream of a violently remaking of violently remaking the world. Sorry. Lauren Bukes's international bestseller, the shining girls was a time jumping thrill ride through the past. Now broken monsters charges into the present day with an eye opening thriller about broken cities, broken dreams and broken people trying to put themselves back together again. Are you recommending? So you said sometimes they relate, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're related. Like last last week, I recommended we had like a really gory, like splattery movie. So yeah. I recommended like a really gory, like splattery book. Yeah. But this is like a like a about a, a weird killer. killer. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> as always, though, you can find us on social media uh, at horrifying my friends on Instagram and Facebook, and at horrifying mf on Twitter. Uh, hit me and Katie line at Twitter and Instagram. Are you on Instagram? Um, I don't tweet anymore. I am on Instagram. If you can find me, good luck. I won't tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get to me, just be on the Horrifying My Friends uh, Facebook comments or 
the, like our brand accounts. Like that's where you can get me. But Travis is much more active on his personal. For too. sure. For sure. Um, and then you can always email us at horrifymyfriends at gmail.com. Yeah. Take me to task. Tell me that this isn't a horror movie. And yeah. I'll take like you to fucking task. fight us. Yeah, for sure. This is a horror <laughs> movie, dweebs. Film snob fucks. <laughs> All right. Fighting words. Those are fighting words. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you, Becky, for joining us. Oh, thanks us. for having me. I had so much fun. You're yeah. awesome, Becky. Thanks. And mm. thank you to everyone for listening if you've come this far. Uh, until next time. Bye. Bye. Fine, my friends. <laughs>